0: The contents of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. Mm-hmm. Welcome to another Health Kick. I'm Tim Borum. Today we're applying the stethoscope to RhinoMed, which is an ASX-listed developer in airway and respiratory technology. The really interesting thing about RhinoMed is that it's evolved from a relatively simple piece of kit called the Turbine, which is a moulded plastic device that expands the nostrils to enable athletes to take in more oxygen. Well, as Leonardo da Vinci said, there's beauty in simplicity. Since then though, uh, RhinoMed has expanded its repertoire to include a device called mute to tackle low-level snoring. And then there's Pronto for anti-nasal congestion and thus uh, sleep improvement. And most recently, the company's come up with a nasal swab to collect samples for influenza and, drum roll, the coronavirus. And perhaps not surprisingly, RhinoMed shares went on a bit of a romp uh, when that news was disclosed recently. Well, I've got with me RhinoMed's CEO, Michael Johnson, to tell me more about RhinoMed's multi-pronged route to market with its devices. So, uh, welcome, Michael.
1: Thank you so much, Tim.
0: Excellent. Thanks for dropping in. I've had the COVID-19 test uh, personally, like a lot of people, and I I can't say it was exactly pleasant. Uh, So... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's uh, it's good news to hear about an, uh, an alternative, a potential alternative. Uh, where are you with the nasal swab and, and, and how does it work? So
1: we, um, as you know, we've got a nasal platform and that's very much what our technology is. It's part of a platform. And as you said, the turbine and mutant pronta are all applications from that platform. And it's a, just so investors are clear, it's an intellectual property protected platform. So we're patented a whole lot of different applications that this platform can be used for. Now, in regards to um, the the swab, we'd, we'd obviously looked at swabs previously, but the COVID experience of this year has really brought that into stark relief. And and just like you, um, I've had a COVID test, and and I guess the or the impetus to get a uh, a, co- a new swab developed actually came from my father, who's in a um, in a nursing home here in Melbourne, in Hawthorne Grange. And Hawthorne Grange is one of those those nursing homes that had an outbreak of, uh, they had four cases in the first wave back in March and April. And my father was complaining bitterly about how one of the nurses had given him a swab with the, um, the, the what he referred to as the brain stab swab. And <laughs> he'd been, ass- yeah, he'd been ass- assaulted by this nurse with this brain stab swab, which was a quite dramatic description. But it gave gave us, made us think about how these swabs worked. And and we were able to quickly um, decipher that there was a lot of significant issues with them. First of all, the actual capacity, the load capacity of these swabs is quite small. So it's, you know, really in about, you know, it goes down to about, I think, 60 to 80 microliters. So it's quite a small sample size. The second thing we realised is that the amount of time that they stick this in your nose is actually quite short as well. And it's actually a very random process because the, the individual, it the, depends on who's using it, the actual person who does it, their, their technique can vary widely. And, of course, if you're not getting a big sample and the sample technique's not standardised, there's a fair chance that you, what you actually may end up with isn't actually a valid sample at all, and that can be a key contributor to false negatives. And as everybody now knows, with COVID, false negatives are a big problem because if you don't pick up positive patients and they go on to infect other people, that's when we get outbreaks. So we sort of, we recognise this. um, And we also recognise that with swabs, the existing nasal swabs, um, they need a healthcare worker. And when we look at what's happening with healthcare workers, we realise that a lot of them are getting infected. And it's not surprising because some of the instructions on these swabs say that You know, they told the healthcare worker to insert the swab until you hit resistance, and this may cause the participant to sneeze. And that's obviously a big issue, because if they're sneezing, then they're covering that healthcare worker with potential virus if they're positive. So we saw all of this, and we worked out that actually we can develop and design a swab that's significantly better across a number of fronts. First of all, our swab samples from both nostrils at the same time. Um, And as a result of that and the individual design within each nostril, we actually collect a significantly greater sample size. So the load that we capture is upwards of four times greater than an existing nasal swab. And that has huge implications for both the existing PCR tests, but also the emerging point of care tests. Because if you get a bigger sample, you've got a better chance of capturing the virus and you've got a better chance of capturing the virus then that's when the pathology tests can come into their own.
0: So it's, it's described as electrostatically flocked nylon. So is it like a, uh, is it like a cotton bud, but a, a different material?
1: Yeah, great question. So the the there's a number of different swabs out there. There's a cotton swab which everyone's familiar with. That's like the Q-tip you use you find in the um, in your pharmacy. Then there is uh, two swabs that are often used for in pathology. One is a foam swab. And that's like a foam porous material. And we're very familiar with foam because that's actually ironically what we use in our Pronto uh, devices. And then the gold standard is flocked nylon. And flocked nylon is small microfibers that are attached electrostatically to a, a, the swab rod or the swab substrate, the material. Um, and they, they, they're stuck on with glue, but they, they actually attach themselves electrostatically so they stand up vertically. Um, and that's, that's the gold standard, and that's what you'll find in most of the leading swabs is their nylon flock swabs. So we, we recognise that nylon flock swabs are the way to go. So what we've done is adapted flocking to fit the geometry of our device, and, and the geometry of our device very much builds off our learnings from the last six, seven years of designing and developing and selling devices that millions of people put in their noses every night. And that's, I guess, that's the key thing is because just as you said up front and my father so eloquently, dramatically described, if it's not comfortable, people don't want to use it. And swabs, you know, the brain stab nasal swabs are not comfortable. And what we've designed is what we think is the world's most comfortable and effective high-yielding nasal swab.
0: Yeah, okay. Okay, great. So um, you've got got the improved... uh Efficacy and and uh, and, and uh, improved comfort, as you say, it uh, avoids the uh, the brain stab effect. Um, I guess uh, I guess the other factor uh, pragmatically is is cost. Um, would would, yeah. uh, would the test be uh, uh, cheaper to to administer?
1: So th- that's a really great question, and I guess this is this is a really interesting part of what when we looked at the health economics and just the economics of this. One of the key things, as I mentioned, is a lot of the existing swabs need healthcare workers now to administer. And we recognise the risk there, but we also recognise the cost and the cost of, you know, employing somebody to do it, the cost of the PPE, the personal protective equipment they've got to wear and change. So what we've designed is our swab so that it can be administered by a healthcare worker, but it can also be administered by anyone, anywhere, at any time. So there's significant cost savings in that alone. But more importantly, we have um, designed it so that we can manufacture this so that it's price parity with existing swabs. We don't see it as being necessarily any more expensive or cheaper than existing swabs. And that's critically important because ultimately, when we look at the number of swabs that are being the demand for swabs globally, it's huge. Um, the US are wanting to do 6 million tests a day. That's their target that the FDA have set. Um, in Victoria, for instance, I think we do between twenty and 30,000 tests. That's the capacity at the moment. But it's clear that we need to improve our ability to do mass high-frequency testing. And I think that's a really, a really critical element of how we respond to pandemics like COVID in particular is the ability to have a quick and immediate response, the ability to collect samples quickly, economically and effectively and easily, and that's certainly what we are developing is a swab that allows the health system to be able to do just that.
0: Right. Okay. Okay. And uh, you've of course got to uh, prove that, uh, that the swabs do the job. What sort mm. of uh, what sort of uh, trialing program would you envisage uh, in order to uh, to obtain approval?
1: Yeah. Great question. So, in terms of approval, we are a, and we've sort of already. Um, Uh, sort of, I guess, identified this, is that the swab is a Class 1 device. Um, So it's a self-registered 5 to 10K exempt Class 1 device in Australia. So it would be a Class 1 device here in Australia with the TGA. It would be a Class 1 device with the US FDA. It would be a Class 1 device with the European Authority, so a CE mark. We are progressing those applications. We're about to uh, submit applications probably in the coming weeks for that. And get registration. In terms of being able to support that, what we're doing is some extensive, um, extensive load analysis to understand that the device is able to capture a bigger load than existing devices. And we've already carried that out, and we're comfortable that we have the data to support that. We're also doing studies that that not only look at how much it captures, but how much it dilutes. So it's great to capture. Sample, but you then need to make sure that the material on the swab is able to be eluted into a viral transport media, so it can be used in the pathology process. And we're working at the moment to validate that. The benchmark is actually quite high, so existing swabs will elute over ninety percent of what they capture, and that's certainly what we are seeking to um, demonstrate that we can uh, that we can do. So definitely, what you want to have a non-inferiority trial there, and we're underway with that at the moment. We also recognise that you actually need to use virus to do that, and we're at the moment uh, working with a institute which I can't name, but a a well-respected institute here in Melbourne, looking at doing what you call spike studies, where you actually spike the the swab with virus and identify how much of the virus is actually being picked up in a PCR test. So that that program is now underway as well. And then finally, what we're looking to do is do some. Post market clinical studies with um, a site here in Melbourne, and also some sites in the US to identify and show that the product can be used in situ in fever clinics in the wards um, to actually capture um, and and capture virus in in actually in, in human subjects. So that's all underway, both in terms of the existing programs, but also the study that we're looking to do a broader study that will probably take place end of this year, early next year. So certainly, it's an exciting time. Yeah,
0: yeah, certainly. Um, from from the timing though, this is uh, the, the, the swabs are something for um, uh, perish the thought, uh, sort of a third wave or, or, or a fourth wave.
1: No, no, we um, we're already making them, Tim. We're three D printing them, um, so we're able to respond immediately. We're currently tooling a. Um, Undertaken tooling of a of a, of the swabs to be able to injection mold them. Our plan is to have production um, underway in January. This time okay. January, so two two months two and a half months away. Um, we we recognise that there's a real urgency and a need to um, respond quickly with this. We see that there's a real need of um, if you think about it in Victoria, whilst the lockdown. Um, Strategy has worked um, to sort of suppress um, the existing outbreak. If you look at what's happening in the northern hemisphere, it is clear that um, they're in a second wave and a fairly significant second wave with the and the amount of virus in the community. Um, Lockdowns won't work once you've got the virus out in the community at the level that they have there. So the only strategy, and this is very much a strategy that you know, Professor Michael Mina out of Harvard. Um, and even you know, Professor Paul Woods Wood here in, in Melbourne, and there's a whole lot of folks who are very much pushing this idea that you need to do mass high frequency testing of everybody, so you can identify who's positive, you can isolate and treat them, but more importantly, you also allow those who are negative to carry on, so you don't you don't uh, penalise economy the economy and society by with the health crisis, and we think that our technology, the ability to sample everybody frequently because you can, you could use this swab once a day, you could use it twice a day, you could use it however much you need to because it is capturing a high yield and it's comfortable. It's easy to use. So we think that this is plays a really critically important role in responding now to how we, not necessarily eliminate the virus, but suppress outbreaks. And I think mass high frequency testing is a logical way the plan B if you like of getting in front of this virus and getting everyone back to normal as quickly as possible
0: yes if you can uh, do it at home what uh, once a week or, or even what uh, once a day if you're in a vulnerable uh, cohort uh...
1: yeah it's a really good point because I mean one of the risks that every employer faces is how do you get your people back to work how do you what's the return to work policy how do you ensure that those coming back to work are negative that they're not going to infect the other your other employees. Now, that's really pertinent in examples such as the um, mining community where you've got fly in, fly out. Um, it's certainly relevant in any large organisation where you've got everyone working together. Aged care, um, even the AFL, you know, these hubs are good examples. So, you know, the helping helping employers manage that risk is something that I think mass high frequency testing and this swab, in particular, can assist with. And I think you know when we talk about you know how we how we respond, we're going to have to live with COVID for some time. I can't see a vaccine from everyone I've spoken to appearing anytime soon. Um, so we're going to have to work out a plan B pretty quickly. And I think um, that's certainly what RanaMed is responding to. We're sort of harking back to the Australian tradition of in the in the time of crisis innovate well that's what we're trying to do and I think if we can get this product out there as soon as possible then it it can play a part it's not going to be it's not a panacea by any stretch but given the fact that the nose is where the virus is your first point of infection it makes sense to be able to test people in those first five days when they're likely to be asymptomatic but also when they're likely to be the most infectious and that's certainly what um, the strategy we would we strongly support the thinking behind
0: that okay okay great all right and and uh, do you would you describe uh, the sob as the potential company maker um, I'm just I'm just wondering about uh, sort of the uh, uh, the potential of it uh, relative to what you've got on the market now you know particularly the mutes
1: look I think um, it's we, we right from the word go we set a strategy of using Sport and sleep as a way of socialising. The concept of using, of putting something in your nose. Um, I don't. I, there's no question that at the moment with the pandemic, people are more attuned to using something, putting something in their nose to ascertain whether they're positive or negative. And I think we need to take full advantage of that. Um, yes. But I'm, I'm conscious that I'm. We're not trying to profit from a pandemic. Um, what we're trying to do is just provide a useful tool. And if it if it if it helps the economy and helps society and helps people, that's our that's our goal. If it if we can if we end up selling millions of these, well, that's even better. But um, that's not the primary reason behind this particular innovation.
0: Sure, I mean it certainly could be a winner though for the company, uh, uh, couldn't it? I, I, I would
1: hope so. I would hope so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, okay. And and how are you going with your sales uh, of the? Of the mutes and the uh, the turbines, the the, uh, yeah. the older product.
1: Yeah, look, it's been an interesting. It's been an interesting twelve months. We we, um, if we go back, it seems like a lifetime ago. But if you go back to this time last year, we sort of set a strategy to really grow the company in a major way. Um, we had great momentum going into Q three of FY twenty, and we saw record revenues in that quarter and then of course COVID hit and Q4 like pretty much everybody was a pretty disastrous quarter for us. Not as bad as it could have been but it really reflected the fact that a lot of um, in our key markets, the US, the UK and of course here in Australia, that the shutdowns really decimated foot traffic in our major retailers. So there was a real you know decline in foot traffic. Pleasingly, we've seen a really strong rebound. And I think it's been, it's been great to see that um, across the board, um, you know, sales have been up and, and significantly back to the momentum we carried into Q3 with, which is really pleasing. Um, and I think that uh, I think it's reflective of the fact that, um, you know, as people have tried to cope with this pandemic, sleep and breathing has been at the forefront of that. Um, and certainly if you're living with a snorer, that may be something that tips you right over the edge. So I think people have been more actively looking for solutions for that. Um, and in Australia in particular, where we've, um, we've, we've been through our winter, and winter is generally that cold, those colder months are generally stronger um, months for us, in our, each of our markets. We've seen a really strong rebound in the Australian market, which has been fantastic to see. Um, so we would hope that that, that momentum, would carry into the the northern hemisphere winter, um, and we would expect to see the growth continue. But it's certainly been a, a really pleasing rebound. Um, and the, one of the one of the great one of the great things about that is that even though we were on job keeper in that fourth quarter, we are no longer a job keeper now because of our growth rates being so strong.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Terrific. And uh, most of your sales in the US, uh, you, you've yeah. got about you sell through about twenty thousand outlets now, don't you?
1: 20,000 shelves are stocking mute and Pronto, which is fantastic. In fact, um, you may recall we announced that uh, we had got Pronto clear onto, into 6,300 stores um, in the US early in the year, and I can inform, you know, update investors to let them know that, that that store, because we couldn't announce it at the time, is CBS, which is one of the US's largest pharmacy chains. Okay. Um, and that's a, real, that's a real sort of sign of um, endorsement and, and progress that Rhinomid is having, and, and as and our brands are having, is the fact that we've managed to get a product into that cough, cold, flu category, um, which is a very competitive category, but nonetheless we've managed to get it in there, and I think it's a it's a great endorsement of the progress we're making.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you're competing there with uh, other decongestants, uh,
1: Ooh, like Vicks and so <laughs> on. Yeah, <exactly laughs> oh, right. yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly right.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. And with the mutes, are you competing against uh, other nasal devices, or or maybe uh, snorers on, on, uh, uh, on the on um, uh, the the uh, the machines or, or um, oral devices like mouth? Yeah. Mouth so mouth there's
1: um, so our primary our, in the over the counter snoring space, our chief competitor is the Breathe Right strip. Um, and that's been around since the '90s. That's the bit of gaffer tape that goes across the nose. That's and John me, Johnson, isn't it? That was originally it was GSK, but they've actually recently divested it. Oh, okay. um, So I think it's—I can't remember who they've sold it to now. But um, that's recently been divested in the US. I'm not so sure around the rest of the world. But I can—I can, I can uh, take under that. Come back to you on that. But um, yeah, look, the breath rate strips are a key competitor um in the -the over-the-counter space in pharmacies and online and we are obviously we've got a a technology with mute that is significantly better in terms of its ability to improve breathing it uh, performs the breathe right strip by about 38 percent, which is important so if you're looking for a snoring device that works better then definitely mute's the one to go to Um, in terms of the sleep apnea space it's not uh it's not designed for that however it is used more often than not as a companion therapy to overcome nasal obstruction and congestion for folks who are on either a CPAP, like using a full face mask, or those people who use an oral device. And I guess the oral device is the one that uh, you know companies like Somnimed, which is another Australian listed company that um, is one of the leaders globally in that space. You know, these uh, devices are used as a way of assisting people who use an oral device to overcome nasal obstruction. Um, And, you know, about $19 a packet for for a packet of three that will last you over a month. It's a pretty cheap way of overcoming nasal obstruction, ensuring compliance. And ultimately, if you've got a mouthful of oral device, you're going to want to breathe through the nose. And that's where it really comes to the fore because it assists people and makes it a lot easier to comply.
0: Terrific. Okay, and just finally, uh, just just on the financial front, uh, you raised uh, about six and a half million dollars recently in a rights issue. Uh, yeah. h- how long will that sort of get you into the process, uh, particularly with the uh, the swabs?
1: Yeah. So our closing cash balance at the end of this quarter, the first quarter was over seven million. So we're well. We've got a very strong balance sheet at the moment. Um, our accounts receivables with our major US retailers is close to two. So we've got a strong balance sheet in that front um, because we can sort of see where the revenues are coming from. We certainly, uh, with the with the swab program, we're currently assessing manufacturing opportunities, whether we uh, manufacture, manufacture that in China with our existing facilities, or whether we whether we can uh, see whether the government will support bringing manufacturing back into um, Australia, or whether we need to go to the US for that. That's certainly something that um, we're looking at very closely at the moment. What sort of support there is for local manufacturing, um, but ultimately we'll, we'll assess that on a. Our, our plan ultimately is to get a is to get purchase orders and get an order book that is sufficiently compelling enough to be able to fund manufacturing on probably on a almost a, a looking at some other facilities rather than just straight equity, which is what we've traditionally done. So we're certainly at an interesting tipping point for The company at this point in time, which is very exciting,
0: yeah, great. Yeah, well, it sounds like you are, Michael. Th- thanks for your time. Um, we've spoken quite a few times over the years, and um, it's always been interesting, uh, to see RhinoMed coming up with uh, uh, different products almost every time. So, um, as I said at the start, it's certainly a multi pronged uh, approach, and uh, you know, good luck, good luck with it all, uh, but particularly with the uh, the COVID 19 uh, swab,
1: indeed. And I guess it's you know whether it's COVID or whether it's just the straight flu. I mean, you may recall and you'd remember this well, Tim. One of the one of the uh, the darlings of the Australian medical technology space for a long time was Biota, yes. The drug, their drug, their flu drug, Relenza. Now the challenge with that drug was you had to have you had to know whether you had the flu within the first forty eight hours, and that was always a great challenge for Relenza. Well, with this swab you could easily determine and take a sample and determine whether you had the flu in the first 48 hours and that's sort of where i think this it's such an exciting technology is if we can ensure people get access to it and we can ensure that they can use it frequently then it opens up a whole range of new treatment modalities right across all upper respiratory tract disease
0: excellent terrific all right well good luck with all of that uh great great to talk and uh let, let's talk again soon we will do thanks tim